Welcome to the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. We discuss five questions in about 10 minutes, and I am so excited to welcome our guest today. This is Jim Knight. He is an accomplished leadership expert. He's a speaker. He's an author. He's a culture catalyst. And of course, he is the CEO of Jim or of Knight Speaker. I got to make sure I get that right. Knight Speaker. Jim, thank you so much for taking time to be with me on the podcast today. What would you like the people to know about what it is that you're working on these days? Oh, man. Well, first off, thanks, Sean, for having me on the show. I know we've been talking about this for a year, and I'm just so thankful to be here. I, uh, I mostly focus, like you said, on speaking. I probably do 40, 45 engagements a year in just pretty much every industry that you can think of. I thought that I would do a lot in food and beverage because that's pretty much my background. But boy, it's in real estate and banking and, and uh, you know, auto mechanics, funeral directors, my number one client. So I'm, I'm apparently a big deal of death care. So <laughs> I have a lot of fun with that. Um, but I'm also an author. I have a couple books out. My last one that just came out last year sounds like it's perfect for uh, people that are listening in right now. It's called Leadership That Rocks. And it's all about for up and coming and new and middle managers. And uh, man, I've just had a lot of fun. But everything I do, whether it's speaking or writing, I would like to say is very edutaining. You know, you, you got to have a little bit of both sides, but I really wanted to have some stickiness for people to say that was an awesome use of my time. Oh, I love it. I love everything that you're working on. We obviously had a good chat right before we started the recording, but yeah. uh, very excited about what you're working on, Jim. So again, thank you for being on the show today. My pleasure. All right, let's jump to the questions. Our first question, Jim, I know that there's probably been a time or two maybe when I've had a bit of a disagreement or a conflict with a coworker or someone that you've been working with. How did you uh, handle that? How did you resolve that kind of a conflict? Yeah, I've had, uh, I've had my share. I've had one or two. Um, but I would say probably one of the very first that really stuck with me. And I, I love the question too. Uh, I was a new store opening trainer. So when I first started working at Hard Rock, I had uh, what I thought was a great relationship with a lot of people. But something changes when you go do a new store opening because that brand, most brands will cobble together different trainers from different locations. I'm sitting in Central Florida in the Orlando area. And this is where the corporate support center was. This is where the hub of all hard rock. So I was very corporate trained by the book. You have to do things a certain way. I was doing a session for some brand new hosts. I had another trainer that was with me from a different location. And uh, he really wanted to train things the way that they were doing it in their location. And that tends to be a common theme. Um, the unfortunate thing is this person actually wanted to not only disagree with me in front of the new hires, almost where it was argumentative. And so I think, you know, that that happens all the time. But I, I took this approach of pulling him aside afterwards and saying, first off, you know, this is how you made me feel. And I did this over drinks like I did it in a very non-threatening you know, way to get away from the day to day and just said, this is how you made me feel you know, we, we've got to make sure we're not arguing in front of the kids. Let, let's just pick a system. I'm with you. I, and, and I propped him up. I said, you're a role model. I can learn a lot from you, but we got to pick something for consistency sake. Let's teach what's in the manuals here. But if there's a disagreement, let's talk about it afterwards. And I'm malleable. I can be changed, but let's don't do it in front of everybody. And since then, we've been the best of friends. So I think just sort of taking a very kinder, gentler approach uh, sometimes is the best way to resolve a conflict like that. Oh, I love that approach. And I love how you, in your words, propped him up and helped him to see his value and that you could learn something from him and kind of taking that, that humble approach rather than, Hey, I know what I'm doing. You, you have know, you to, or else, or else it's just going to be back and forth. Yeah. I think you have to, that's a big component of it. Oh, absolutely. I love that. All right. Well, question number two, 
I'm sure you've heard the phrase that people don't leave uh, jobs, they leave managers. What's oh, yeah. one idea that you have to help leaders kind of hold on to people a little bit longer? Yeah, if you know, you're right. I've heard a lot of people that will use money and growth opportunities and schedule and whatever else. But I think Gallup, uh, if I remember correctly, is one who probably found that out that it's because of the boss, it's the direct leader. That's the number one reason. So I, I think there's a lot of things that you probably could do, but my main focus would be to over communicate. And, and I really think that uh, when there's a time where people need a little bit more, looking for an opportunity for you to not just share information, but to listen, to truly listen, which by the way, Sean, I know that we have not had a lot of training on. I mean, at some point during maybe high school, certainly in college, we learn how to write. We do a little bit of some speech stuff, but where are the, where are the listening classes? Like I, th those you have to go out and seek for. So I think trying to put people in a position where, yeah, you could disseminate information, maybe more all staff meetings, more department meetings, more Zoom, now that we're doing a lot of stuff, hybrid and distance space. Maybe the boss has to have a list and pick up the phone and call maybe one or two people a day, somehow having one-on-one -on -one conversations, not one time a year to fill out the form, to go in the file, to get more money because HR told me to do it. Like I want to have regular candid discussions with people. And I think if you can get to that point where maybe at the end of all of these, you're really asking the question, whether you say it out loud or it's implied, how am I doing for you? It might be uncomfortable for people to answer the first or second time, but at some point, they'll start really telling you and you'll really get to some root causes. So I think communication is probably one of the greatest things you could ever do to get people to stay with you a little bit longer. I could pick a litany of others, but that would be my number one for sure. Oh, I love that. That's a great comment because you're right. So many times we just don't communicate enough with people and that's exactly. what builds the connection. That's what builds that stickiness. Exactly. Wow. Exactly. Question number three, how can a team leader help build resilience in their team? Yeah, you know, resilience, uh, boy, coming out of the pandemic, but it, it was always like that before. But now I know that people are probably hyper aware to it. I would say there's probably some pre things that you could do. And then there's some things you could do when you get into the thick of some issue going on. So pre, I would just say probably nothing is better than building that trust. You create the trust and that can be through games and contests and exercises and doing flat out team building. You know, every once in a while doing these types of things, philanthropy is one of the greatest equalizers ever doing some sort of charitable work bigger than the day-to-day -day making the donut. So I think if you build that trust, when something starts to hit the fan, I think people are a little bit more resilient. But then when it actually happens, there's certainly a lot of things you could do. I think, you know, we go back to communication since I was talking about that. I would, uh, again, uh, look for opportunities to put some forums in place. And, and these could be formal or maybe uh, a little bit organic, having conversations with people one-on-one. -on -one. You could certainly have uh, opportunities where you could listen a little bit more. I would definitely have candid communication. So if we're going to talk about this when it comes to resiliency, being very honest, very truthful, even the hard information, but keeping people in the loop actually helps people move through whatever the situation is. I would still do some inspiration and motivation um, you know, whenever I could, I, I, I love doing some storytelling. You have to be cautious with that, Sean. I don't think people necessarily always want to hear the cool, awesome kumbaya story when, when things are really happening to them. But I still think you can bring some levity and sometimes some storytelling from your own past as a maybe how you dealt with some stuff. 
Uh, one solution that I have found very effective is getting them involved in some of these creative solutions. When you can get them versus you going out there and saying, this is how we're going to get past this. Boy, do I think you wind up again, helping people from a retention standpoint, let alone helping them move through it from a resilient standpoint. And, and maybe the last one, this sounds a little uh, corny for some people. I think you got to love on people a little bit more. You got to look for an opportunity to look past them, I think, as an, a, as an employee. It's just another number, you know, knowing about their families and their hopes and their fears. Now, this comes maybe pre, you've already developed a relationship. But boy, when you look at them as a whole person and they feel seen and heard, not only are you going to get them to stick around a little bit longer, but they'll keep their head on their shoulders when, again, stuff starts to go sideways. So I don't remember how many of those, how many did I list off, but I think there's a <laughs> lot of things you can do to help with, with uh, people staying resilient in tough times. Well, you really hit on some great ideas, though, because and especially that last one about getting to know your people. And that is part of the pre part and building yeah. up that trust. But boy, that's critical because when you get into a situation where resilience is needed, you yeah. can't just immediately have it. That has to have been something that, that grows over time. And boy, um, being able to connect with someone individually, that's critical. Love those kinds of things you could do. One of the greatest oh, things yeah. you can do as a leader. I'm with you. Absolutely. All right. Question number four, is there someone that you'd like to recognize that has had a positive influence in your life? Yeah, you know, I, I could easily talk about uh, some of my great teachers in school and my dad for sure was a big influence on me. I probably would have to say in my career right now, my one of my bosses when I got over to the corporate support center at Hard Rock was my boss, Mike Shipley. Uh, he was the director of training. Man, that guy, he, he just, he took a kinder, gentler approach to managing people, had such an awesome belly laugh, but also was very serious at times. And I think he taught me how to, how to hold people accountable, I think, for results, but do it in, in a very cool way. It was very non-threatening in a lot of way. And he took an interest in me seeing just a little bit of a snapshot, uh, potentially me being a speaker, taught me some really good platform speaking skills. I'd learned some stuff from other places. But when your boss actually takes some one-on-one -on -one time, some with the team, knowing he couldn't do all of the facilitating on his own. He needed to get other people. And I took that same approach. So again, I mentioned a word earlier that I'm malleable. I think I'm an okay leader, but I'm an awesome follower. And that's a guy that I just followed. I just think he really developed my leadership skills in so many ways and, and made me promotable to the extent that when he left five years after I started working with him, I was able to slide into his job. I don't think I could have done that without Mike's help. So he's just, he, he, he taught me to, again, hold people accountable, really be a great speaker. And I would say this, he was a fantastic listener. Mm -hmm. He had positioned his chair to face away from the door, which is sort of an unfeng shui thing to do, but boy, was he effective. And I wound up doing the same thing, but I learned if I ever had anybody, particularly from my team that walked in, no matter what I was doing, I would stop what I would do and I would turn to them there's nothing more important than what they needed at that moment. And to give them that type of focus, like Tony looking at Maria and West Side Story, everything else is blurry, but that person's in focus, you get credit for that. So I, I give all the props to my old boss, Mike Shipley. He was, he was, is one of a kind. He's still around. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. Thank you for recognizing Mike. And it does sound like he's had a tremendous influence. And isn't it interesting how some people, some leaders make it real easy to follow him? 
Yeah, and, you know, you talked about how you were a great follower. I, I believe that uh, I'm sure you're a very great leader too, though. I don't, th- I don't want you to discredit yeah, yourself, but there are leaders out there that just make it real easy to follow them. And that's a great attribute to have. No doubt. No doubt. All right. Our last question, Jim, tell us a little bit about your first job. So my first job, I mentioned earlier, I am in central Florida and I think people think of the big theme parks, SeaWorld, Disney, Universal Studios, but there's something like 27 different theme parks my very first job was at an actual live gator farm. I work at Gatorland, which is the largest alligator zoo in the world. And uh, I was 15 years old and uh, just took a little bit of a summer job. Wound up being there for three years. But in that frontline position, you work in a variety of, of positions. My very first thing is I was selling frozen fish, which is what people would buy in a little tray to feed the alligators. I worked in the snack bar where I got to eat alligator meat every day while I'm serving the customers. Um, I worked in the retail store. I drove a little miniature train out there. My favorite was working in the photo area where I had to jump literally into an alligator pit with baby alligators, you know, only about a foot and a half, two feet long, but they still had pretty razor sharp teeth. Capture one, put some duct tape around its mouth so that people can hold on to it. But then I had to go into the boa constrictor cage to get one of these big, massive snakes so you could put it around your neck. And they would hold the alligator, put the snake around. We'd take a little Polaroid picture. And I had such a blast doing that every day. I do have a little scar. I did get bit by one of the boa constrictors at one point, but absolutely loved that job. And um, I got to be honest, that's where I learned a lot of my basic fundamental skills that I'm sure a lot of people don't get these days because you learn everything from school and your parents and friends and the playground and religion and lack of religion. Now, I'm not sure where people get it, but I can tell you, I learned a lot about dealing with upset guests, eye contact, having a personality, work ethic. Like I love that job and it really put me on, I think, a trajectory to do exactly what I'm doing right now. So Gatorland Zoo, which is still around. It's the best deal in Central Florida, but that was my first gig. I I have truthfully never had a guest. I've had over 300 guests on this podcast. I've never had one that's worked at a gator farm. That is fantastic. And I've got to make sure I heard you correctly. You've got a little scar on your your knuckle or whatever it was from the boa, but not from the gator. I never got bit by an alligator. I had, I know people that have lost a couple fingers before, but when you go, so this is a quick story. I went into one of the pits uh, where the boa constrictors are. It's an enclosed case. There are usually three or four big snakes in there. We put mice in there. That's what they eat. And if the snakes aren't hungry, sometimes the mice will bite the snake and will create a sore on it. I didn't know this from this particular snake. I picked out the one snake I was going to use for the day. I picked it up on the sword and it swung around and bit me. They actually crushed their prey, but they do have small little teeth that they use to hold on to it. And I had one of the small teeth that got stuck in me. And when I pulled my hand away, the, the tooth was stuck in there. So when I pulled it out, it just left a scar forever. Never got one from an alligator, but the snake, she got me. She got me dead. <laughs> Holy cow. That's a great story though. I love the story. Jim, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. This has been a lot of fun. I've absolutely enjoyed it. What, uh, how can people get a hold of you? Oh, thanks, brother. I appreciate it. All roads lead back to my website at nightspeaker.com. So that's my last name, Knight, K-N-I-G-H-T, speaker.com. You can see all the stuff that I talk about and write about and podcasts and all that stuff. But Sean, thank you so much for having me on the show, man. This is a big honor. You bet. No, this has been great. I've loved it. This is Sean Richards with the Team Engagement Podcast, where leaders of teams share their insights. For more ideas, go to teamengagementpodcast.com. 
And we also encourage you to subscribe or follow the podcast, whether it's the audio version or the video version. Either way, we'd love to have you follow us on a regular basis. Thanks so much for joining us. Have a great day. Rock on.